Welcome to Manager Tools. The bridge between feedback and coaching, part one. Here we go. This cast answers these questions. What do I do when a direct doesn't know how to make a change? How can I help a direct who needs more than feedback, but less than coaching? How can I give simple guidance to directs without it becoming a coaching process? Well, if you want answers to these questions and more, keep listening. Okay, Mark, I've got a problem. I got a direct, given feedback a few times, and it's not working. He's, he's not changing, or at least not changing sufficiently that I'm happy with. Right. He's, he, may, he may very well be changing, which is what the feedback model asked for, but you're still, he's changing his behavior, but we're still not getting the results we want. Yeah, I think he's struggling a little bit with what to do. But it's not one of those things that I think the coaching model makes sense. The coaching model seems a little much for the change I'm trying to get here. So, yep, fair yeah, so there's something like there's something there's something between feedback and coaching, I think. Yeah, you've given a couple of bits and 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 you're thinking, "Gee, I don't, you know, I don't want to take this guy to systemic feedback. I don't want to just keep giving him feedback and have him, you know, lose faith." that he, he can get there. So yeah, um, classic problem. And I have to say, uh, I promised I'd do this. This cast is dedicated to Matt Bentliff, a client manager of ours who suggested the idea for it after listening to some of our original work on feedback and didn't feel that some of the things we said made clear what we're suggesting. So thank you, Matt. So look, basically, all of our discussions about performance communication at Manager Tools fall in a continuum. By the time Manager Tools and the whole podcast started coming out, guys, we had already developed, tested, refined, studied, surveyed, have all kinds of data on which ones work and which ones don't. And of course, we were thinking about what do you do with the littlest problem? You know, somebody's late, all the way up to somebody screams and threatens um, a coworker. Um, or they're continuing to have problem producing the level of performance that you need in the job. And what most managers make the mistake of is waiting too long, and we'll talk about that. But probably one of the biggest revolutionary things in the feedback model is you don't wait, you talk when things are small. But sometimes when you're talking when things are small and trying to get people to achieve the results you want, you end up with a situation where you've given them some small bits, but you don't really know where to escalate to or how to help them further, especially when the model says, hey, you know, can you do that differently or do that better? And we encourage you initially to not tell the direct what to do, to not involve yourself. So this is for that time when you need a little bit more than feedback, but not as much as systemic feedback, not as much as a, um, a formal meeting to discuss poor performance and certainly not coaching or even heaven forbid late stage coaching five points we want to make first always start with feedback our feedback model when delivered is as professional and as low-key as you can possibly be and one of the worst things we can do as managers is to see something small and overreact to it because directs who see managers who overreact to small things start worrying in the back of their head because of our role power, because of our ability to control their addiction to food, clothing, and shelter. They worry what would happen if they made a big mistake. If he does this for a small mistake, gosh, gosh what, what would be a big mistake? How bad would that be? Uh, and you start losing trust and relationship and so on. Second thing, as, as is pretty clear, if you, if you know the feedback model, we're going to ask for a commitment to change. 
super important. It's one of the places where managers stumble when they first learn the feedback model because they want to tell the direct. So we're going to ask them for a commitment to change. Then if they struggle with that, they make some changes perhaps, or maybe they don't, and they're still not getting the result we need. Then we're going to ask them for how they're going to change. Now we're starting to have a conversation with them about what they're doing versus just trusting that, okay, this one went wrong. Can you do it differently next time? If you don't get the kind of answers you want to get, then we can ask them if they want some ideas. And of course, all of this is happening on a continuum of time as the direct continues to struggle to achieve the results that you and the organization need him or her to achieve. And then lastly, last step, if all that fails, consider telling them what you recommend. And many people are listening right now, Mike, as you and I know, and think, well, why don't I just tell them what to do? Well, we promise we'll tell you why you shouldn't just immediately be telling your directs what to do, you high C perfectionists out there. Are you talking to me? No, no. Good. Okay. And um, for those longtime listeners, as we talk about the feedback model, as we get into these not new recommendations from Martin, new for the audience. It's not like Mark invented this yesterday. We'll try to be clear where the feedback, the traditional feedback model ends and where these additional steps take off. For the longtime listeners, don't think that we're rolling out a new feedback model. The feedback no. <laughs> model is the feedback model. You don't get a license just to skip the feedback model and, and add these additional steps. So be cautious there. Yeah. And, you know, let's just say this. You and I talked before the start of the show when you were reading the show notes and you said, hey, this is, you know, you're really going into detail on the feedback model. And I said, yep, we have so many new listeners join us every week. Our audience continues to grow. We can't count on all of them to have known the feedback model, to have gone back and listened to the basics. And if you don't know that, if you don't, if you're not doing one-on-ones, you're not doing feedback, some of the things we recommend, don't assume those things. And all of our guidance works a la carte, but it works a lot better if you've developed a relationship and that relationship includes candor and frequency of performance communication. It just does. And so we don't want you starting and thinking, gee, I heard great things about manager tools, but I don't, I feel like I'm not getting as much traction as I should. And so I made a determination that periodically, maybe every 12 or 18 months, we'll have a cast which extends, expands, surrounds, builds upon our core models, one-on-ones, feedback, coaching, delegation. And in part, we'll go into a little bit more detail. In terms of this particular cast, the first two outline steps, always starting with feedback and asking for a commitment to change, are essentially a review of the feedback model. But talking specifically about why the steps are the way they are relative to the situation where somebody where feedback doesn't work. Okay. And then steps three, four, and five takes it a step further. Look, for a long time, we would say to people when they said, well, what happens if feedback doesn't work? Which I always thought was funny because, dude, you've never done it before. I can see in your eyes that what you're doing is not working. You know, this seems too easy. My directs won't listen to me. Well, that's not a problem with my model, buddy. <laughs> that's a problem with you and your relationship with your directs. But people would say, what, 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 what do you do? And I said, well, if you continue to give feedback, then at some point you'll end up at systemic feedback. But systemic feedback, as much as people love the guidance, they go, wow, that that's going to be good. And it works. We get emails all the time saying, wow, I had to finally go to systemic feedback and, and it worked. There are some steps in between. And this is the first cast where we've 
really clearly define them. We've hinted at it before, but um, that's one of the problem with only having 50 casts a year, guys. There's not enough time to get all the stuff out that we want to share. We only have 3,000 more casts to go. Yeah. And just one, one other note, just talking about we're reviewing something we've discussed before, which is a feedback model, which is terribly important. And some people might say, like we might actually say, it's pretty foundational to being an effective manager. And a matter of fact, if you're a fairly new listener and you're not aware of the Manager Tools Basics, which is another feed that sits in iTunes, if you're not aware of that and you want to make sure you've gotten the basics, and folks, you need the basics, one-on-ones, feedback, coaching, delegation, go to iTunes and pull down that feed and listen to those podcasts and everything else we do, everything else we talk about, all things we talk about every single week will work a whole lot better if you've mastered the foundational basics. So, And I'm going to commit a sin here because I can tell we've been recording for several minutes and, and I'm going to extend before we get to the, the meat of the show and say this, um, when we say you've got to do one-on-ones and feedback, guys, that's us talking about our tools. You actually don't have to use our tools, which this I, I say this to every group, Mike, and it surprises a good portion of them. We recommend one-on-ones, feedback, coaching, delegation, our tools, the manager tools models in those four areas, the critical areas, okay? But technically, you don't have to do it our way. You do, however, if you want to be a good manager, there are four things you can avoid. These four behaviors of the top 15 behaviors in management, in the management world, four of them represent 75% of your ability to do your job. Those four are getting to know your people, talking about performance, asking for more, and pushing work down. Those are the four behaviors. You don't have to do getting to know your people through one-on-ones, which is our tool. That's why we're called manager tools to help get you to know your people. Some of you are naturally gifted and you're good at getting to know people. Now that sum that I just mentioned is not 30%. It's less than five. And if you have a doubt about how good you are getting to know people, you're not in that less than 5%. And all we say is we know you have to get to know your people and The vast majority of managers don't know what to do or how to do it in order to get there. And so we created these tools so that we guarantee you, if you do it our way, you will get to know your people. And for the record, the standard for getting to know your people is not that you think you know your people. The standard is whether or not your people say you know them well. That's the standard. And too many managers say, oh, I totally know my people. And then we ask them the direct relationship acid test, which is name the first names of all the children of all the people who report directly to you. And suddenly they're flailing around. And then I say, well, okay, you don't know your people well enough. Because if you did know their kids' names, your people would say, oh, yeah, he or she knows me well. And also, whatever techniques you use to get to know your people, or in this case, we're talking about feedback, our model for talking about performance, whatever method you use must not be yours alone. Or put differently, it cannot just be your personality, just because you're an outgoing person and you naturally get to know other people, doesn't mean that's a sufficient tool in order to get to know your people because you must be able to teach your technique, your way of doing what you do in order to get to know, talk about performance, whatever. You have to be able to teach that to other people. This is what is known in management circles as sustainable management. Part of the reason organizations have processes and systems and measures is to allow the organization to sustain itself even when people in the organization change. If your techniques for talking about performance are just your way 
And you can't teach them to other people. You can't elucidate them. You can't walk people through. You can't explain when there are forks in the road, how you decide which fork to take. Then you're not practicing sustainable management and you're setting your company up for the possibility that when someone replaces you, they won't be nearly as good as you. And that will be an effect on the organization. So our tools guarantee the results and they're teachable to other people. Okay. I'll stop talking. No, don't stop talking. We have, we have a lot more to talk about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So as you were saying, this cast basically fits that bridge between feedback and coaching in the Manager Tools feedback continuum. So let's start with some basics. One of the stumbling blocks that the Manager Tools feedback model faces, and folks, to be clear, we're aware of what people think are the strengths and weaknesses of our tools, and we're happy to attempt to shore up the weaknesses for those people who are open-minded to it. One of the problems is that most managers don't have a negative performance communication or put differently, they don't give negative feedback. They don't sit down and talk to one of the directs until there's a big problem or there's a notable pattern of ineffective behavior. Some manager notices that her one of her people is late and she ignores it because well, why not give the person a little grace? It happens, no problem. But then they're late a couple of days later and they say, well, you know, they'll get out of it, it's fine. And then suddenly they're late two more times in the next couple of weeks. And now suddenly the manager goes, oh, I, I got a problem here. This person's malingering, which is bad. Now we're drawing conclusions about the person's character and so on, as opposed to focusing on their behavior. And so therefore, most managers have learned to wait a significant amount of time and have a, quote, conversation about a, quote, issue. And everybody enjoys those. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and now we have drama and emotions and so on. And look, let's admit it. The manager's never been taught how to do it. If you're this person, if you've had this happen to you folks and you feel guilty about it, we understand the guilt. Mike and I both felt it too. It's why manager tools exist. It breaks my heart to think of how many managers could be great if we would just take some time and teach them. You'd think they'd teach it, say, in a college course called management, but they don't. And so let yourself off the hook for the stuff you didn't know. We're doing this so you don't have to go through the pain and misery we did of figuring out on our own. That's the norm. Managers wait too long. And then, of course, you feel miserable about it. And it's significant enough that you really have to talk to the direct because now, you know, now there's a concern about how well they'll do long term or whatever. And because the manager dreads the conversation, the manager doesn't communicate well. And then because we're having a conversation, which we never do about performance, hey, come and see me at the end of the day kind of thing. Now, organizational sanctions are in the mix because maybe the manager said, hey, by the way, I'm having a problem. And he asks his HR business partner, hey, what do we do? And Well, probably HR says, well, talk to them and then send me a note documenting what you did. And in the back of the direct's mind, those sanctions, and the sanctions could be as little as, hey, you know, I got to let you know a couple more of these and I have to write you up. And now writing up is like, ooh, it goes in my file. Ooh, now that I can't get promoted. Ooh, I can't move to another department. And of course, all of this is because the manager waited too long until sanctions were on the fringes of the conversation. Look, further, most managers don't want to be thought of as a micromanager, which we have podcasts about that, guys. I would be willing to bet 50 bucks that if 100,000 people listen to this cast in the next week, which I think is our 
is sort of a typical number for us. If 100,000 people are listening, less than five of you are actually micromanagers. The chance that you are a micromanager is also the same chance that you're Michael Jordan or Jordan Spieth, who I just remembered is named after Michael Jordan. And the manager doesn't want to be a bad guy, right? Mark, why should I talk to him about their performance? I'm supposed to have a good relationship with them. Well, sometimes relationships require candor as well. And then we add to that, the manager doesn't know what to say because nobody told him what to say. And actually, there are plenty of managers who say, well, what I should do is have HR have the conversation. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Nothing against HR, guys. But if you're the one that's been seeing the behavior, you don't want somebody else having the conversation. So we've gotten used to waiting. And that waiting has taught us an incorrect truth, which is we only communicate about performance when the problem performance is significant enough that there's going to be repercussions sooner then perhaps the direct would think they could adjust their behavior. And this idea of waiting until we have a strong case has taught us that we don't talk to our directs until there's a big problem. And that is sort of the standard. Managers want to ignore those tough conversations, a la the joke, you know, management would be easy if it weren't for the direct reports. And so we've all learned to wait. And there are good reasons and bad reasons for that. And then we're afraid to get in an argument with the direct because we've talked to them before because there's a mountain of evidence about the problematic behaviors at this point. We think if we wait, we won't be talking about one instance where they can push back, where they can say, well, I was, I was late because, you know, the subway in New York City and the summer of 2017 had some slowdowns, right? Okay, fine. So we wait until the pattern is incontrovertible. And we do that because we think at some point, even the direct won't be able to deny it. They'll know. But the flaw in this logic is once the direct does realize there's a mountain of evidence against them, which is their own behavior, they're much more motivated to defend themselves at all costs. Now, basically, they've been caught. And again, there's that whiff of failure and sanctions. There's the whiff of written documentation. And and again, career impact to them. The manager who isn't prepared, who isn't practiced, who isn't really almost steeled in preparation for that conversation, and thereby willing to follow through with consequences, is probably, in, in, in many cases, will be duped by basically false promises, right? Or, heaven forbid, you have a direct who's a little bit sensitive and new, and remember, they bring their relationship with previous bosses to your, their relationship with you, and if they've had bad previous bosses who were abusive or, or distant or micromanaging, they bring all that to the table with you, and so they're willing to accuse you of mismanagement, micromanagement, mistreatment, you know, you're, you're treating me differently because I'm a protected class or whatever. All right. All this is bad, right? Because the objective, this feedback is to get them to change their behavior in the future, right? Not to punish them for the past, but to talk, to get them to do it correctly in the future. And man, when you're in this kind of conversation that the direct is not thinking about how well they're going to do in the future, right? They're just just simply trying to protect themselves. Exactly. Which is the heart of the feedback model. It's about encouraging effective future behavior. But look, all this is dumb. And if you use the horseman manager tools middleman rule, you only need to ask yourself what you would want from your boss. 
Would you rather be left alone even when your boss sees you making mistakes? Waiting until there's enough of a pattern that she would, quote, have to have a conversation with us? Or would you rather have your boss talk to you more frequently about smaller issues before they become, quote, problems, unquote? And the fact is, virtually all of us choose sooner and smaller. And so I actually had for a long time on my desk as a reminder, as we were testing the early versions of the model, sooner and smaller, not later and larger. You know, I haven't said that in years in front of an audience, Mike. I should say that more often. Every time, that's what directs say they want. And if the manager is going to talk to a direct about their performance and the performance is not up to standard, it is crazy for the manager to think, I should do what I want to do, even if the direct doesn't want it. Because there are some things the direct want that the manager can give, and therefore you're jumping over less of a hurdle. Now, if the direct wants sugar plums and fairy tales, well, that's a different story. They're not thinking professionally. But in a professional conversation, if you ask them, what do you want? They say, I want my boss to be polite. I want a chance to apologize or to explain to him that I had a good excuse or whatever, or is a one-off situation. And I don't want my boss not to talk to me. How many times have we asked, or you, you've been there when I've asked the group, would you rather work for a boss who tells you when you make mistakes in a polite and professional way, or would you rather not know how you're doing with your boss? Yeah. Nobody, right? And, and most people don't know right now. They don't know. And bosses think it's an advantage. Well, hey, if I don't tell them how they're doing, they'll have to continue to work hard. When in fact, there's a healthy percentage of people that the more you're telling them doing good, they work that much harder because they're addicted to the relationship that builds and the feedback, the positive feedback they get. Okay. Since we've got this fundamental problem with waiting and there's, it just doesn't work on so many levels, our previous way of talking about performance, we have to get rid of it. We can't expect to have that portentous, ominous, consequent-filled conversation. We can't do that simply because there's a pattern of relatively small infractions. People don't think it's fair. Not that management is about fairness, but people do have fairness filters. We need something simple and repeatable and basically as angst-free as we can make it. And as you just mentioned, Mike, it's got to be something intended not to punish past errors or threaten consequences, but rather to encourage effective future behavior. And that's the manager's feedback model. When our direct performs, good or bad, we ask them, this is step one, guys. If you don't know the feedback model, you're about to get it in a digest format. We ask them, can I give you some feedback? We need to ask them first because the purpose of the conversation we're about to have with them is to encourage their effective behavior in the future. We're not about to talk to them about what just happened an hour or two or five hours ago or yesterday. We're mentioning that, but we're talking about the future. In the same way that when my brother and I talk about the Dodgers, every once in a while, we mention the Giants, but we're talking about the Dodgers. And therein lies the problem there, but different conversation. Are you saying you want to talk about the Giants? I would rather talk about the Giants than the Dodgers yeah, any yeah. day. I think they're 23 games back of the Dodgers, and the Dodgers have the best 
record in Major League Baseball? Doesn't Doesn't matter. Matter. I, don't, I don't know. Giants coming I, back. I chose that. I chose that example specifically. Go Dodgers. I know you did. Okay. And here's why this is important. And I know there are a lot of managers out there that are probably, though, Mark, please say what you're going to say. I want, I want to not like it. And these, many of these thousands, hundreds of thousands, probably these managers are people who say, yeah, yeah, the feedback model works. I just don't like that first step. Here's why it matters. Because the only person who controls our direct's future behavior is our direct. What that means is if we talk to them, but they don't listen, and there are plenty of times that your boss does that to you, admit it, guys, and you don't listen. If they don't listen, our discussion won't have any effect on their future behavior, and we ought not to waste our time. And gosh, if I hear one thing more than anything else, the reason I can't change what I'm doing is because I don't have enough time to change. It's like the, the true, the definition of insanity. I'm getting terrible results, but I don't have time to change. Okay, well, good luck with that. <laughs> That's your plan. <laughs> you know, Mike, I, I worry sometimes that we have developed a fairly cynical sense of humor. <laughs> yeah. If you feel that way, folks, go ahead and send Mark an email. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Customer service at manager tools. If you send an email to customer service at manager tools.com and you start the email with Mark, I promise you guys, it comes to me and I get hundreds of emails like that a week and I'm happy to answer. And dude, like we're, we're getting old. So yeah. If we didn't get a chance to have a sense of humor in these casts, I think I'd stop. I'm not saying I'm funny, but you got to be able to laugh. Okay. So when you ask this question, can I give you some feedback? Now, for those of you who are uninitiated, if the direct says no, they're telling you now's not a good time to talk about my future behavior. I don't want to do it. And so we have to walk away. Now, if you're thinking, but wait, I absolutely want to talk to my direct. The answer to that is, okay, our data show that Within three hours, 93% of directs who say no to feedback come back and ask, what was that feedback you were about to give me? So don't worry. They still want to know how they're doing, how you know what you think about what they're doing, good or bad. By the way, it's always fun when they say no because they're too busy. And then you end up three hours later when they come to you, say, or an hour later or two hours later, they come and say, okay, I'm ready for that feedback. And you, you, what you had intended to do was give them positive feedback. And of course, immediately they say, well, if I'd have known it was positive, I, you know, I would have, would have said, yeah. Of course I would have had time. Would have had an hour for that. Don't reveal your insecurities so boldly. But so how does it sound? It says, hey, can I give some feedback? Can I share something with you? Can I have a word? Can we talk about what just happened? Okay. And again, we empower the directs. And if you listen to our basics series, you know that in the rolling out the Trinity, where we talk about this stuff, one of the rules is never introduce a change to how you manage without first taking the time to introduce that change. Meaning you're going to brief everybody about how you're going to do one-on-ones. You're going to brief everybody in your staff meeting. I'm going to start talking to you differently about performance. The briefing where you tell them how you're going to talk differently about performance is just like the briefing the company expects you to give people when the annual review system, the performance review system changes in your company. Okay, here's the old form. Here's the new form. The new form's online. Here's what you have to do. You got to click these boxes. You have to type in here. You don't have to worry about spelling. The, the system will correct spelling and you will get emails when you haven't finished things. You'll be able to save your work. It's totally private. Blah, blah, blah. You have to tell your people that if you're a director and you're talking to managers who are going to have a new system, you don't just tell them, oh, yeah, it's not that hard. Go do it. You know, don't send your people to the wolves. And so we will have already told our directs, I'm going to ask you, hey, can I give some feedback? And it's okay to say no. Okay. And 
the vast majority of time, they're going to say yes. They'll be a little tentative until they learn that you're going to use this both for positive or negative feedback. Okay, so that's step one. Steps two and three are really the heart of the feedback model. It's the heart of all performance communication. Ultimately, performance communication connects two key things. The behavior of the direct, of the, the professional, with the outcome that either benefits or hurts the organization. This is the fundamental engine of organizational success, organizational productivity. And in fact, if you ask economists, economists, they will say that is literally the core of any country's GDP, gross domestic product. Gross domestic product attempts to measure productivity. Productivity is the single most likely connected measurement to profitability in your organization if you're in a for-profit organization. More behavior that is more aligned to the results the organization wants leads to more productivity. More productivity leads to more profit. When your company grows, what your CEO and virtually everybody else at the top of his or her organization want, they want more productivity from the existing number of people. We don't want to add 10% more people because we grew by 10%. If we grew by 10%, we only want to add 2 or 3% more people and get more out of the people we want. And we don't intend to burn people out. We want that to be sustainable. And the person who's most responsible for sustainability is the manager by tightening their relationship with the direct so that when the direct is asked to do more, the direct wants to do it because it inspires, it encourages him or herself because she's motivated to do it because she shares in the rewards of the experience of doing something well. Unfortunately, as much as management is not taught, organizations that are exceptionally well-managed have an enormous productivity advantage over those that aren't. And they last through good times and bad as well. Thanks, everyone. That's it for this week. We'll continue on this topic next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long.